0: I was reading Acts chapter 28 and there was a verse uh, 21 and 22 they replied We have had no letters from Judea or reports against you from anyone who has come here, but we want to hear what you believe for the only thing we know about this movement is that it is denounced everywhere. Okay. And I heard that verse, I mean, I read that verse and I felt this weird feeling and I was like, why are you like, what was that about? And I realized, well, let me give you some context. So, um, Paul in chapter 28, Paul is on the Island of Malta and, you know he was shipwrecked and was on the island and he got bitten by a snake people were like oh he he must be a sinner or something bad that's why he's getting bitten by a snake um nothing happened to paul and everyone was like okay so then he is he a god lowercase g and he healed people and spread the word of jesus there and then paul goes to rome and he's trying to you know teach the his Jewish brothers and sisters because you know Polish Jewish for those who know Paul and he says to them you know like hey I came here today so you can get to know who I am and I can explain to you why you know I'm being guarded and why people are saying these negative things about me and so they replied go and he said and I also believe you know he wants because he believes that hope of israel is that the messiah has already come jesus and you know a lot of the jews did not like doesn't like that message um during that time and you know all that jazz so they replied to him saying oh well we haven't heard anything like negative about you we just know that this movement is denounced and so back in the day before christianity was this big popularized thing that has t-shirts and youtube channels and everyone rocking shirts that says Jesus is my homie back in the day that the movement was not the wave at all right Christianity is it's like the wave and not the wave at the same time it's really interesting to me and I'll get to that later but yeah it's it's um it wasn't it wasn't the wave back then and it was considered the interesting thing is it was they were considered the way and that was what the movement was called people who believed in Christ was like we are we are the way. And, and I think that's from Jesus saying, I am the way, the truth, and the light. And so the disciples was like, okay, we're Jewish. We're still Jewish. We still practice, you know, certain Jewish customs um, or traditions. But we are part of this The Way movement because we have encountered Jesus and was given this command to baptize people in Jesus' name, reconcile people back to God, um, and be ambassadors for Christ, Right. And so, you know, Paul wasn't the original disciple, but, you know, got recruited on the road to Damascus and all this jazz. And so now we're here in 28 with Paul preaching and they said that. So it's like, Jorina, why did this verse about them saying we have no letters from Judea or reports against you from anyone who has come here, but we want to hear what you believe for the so the reason why that scripture bothered me is because i realized listen to paul and i think the answer is i think it's no there's a part of me that's like i sure would have but i think i would have been a part of the way um as you heard in my intro if I was there when Jesus was there, like if I actually was one of the people that like saw and interacted with him. And even then, I think I would have been like the Pharisees, the Pharisees who were a little um interested in Jesus. And so like met with him at night. And then who, who was the, the Pharisee that met with Jesus in the middle of the night so that nobody saw him? Um, I might've been that person or I might've been the person that, was in the temple, saw Jesus doing stuff, heard what he said, and I was like, heard him read Isaiah, see his actions, and I think I would be one to, to at least ask him questions and then, you know, see what he's about and say, hmm, would it hurt to listen? Would it hurt to see what he's about? I think I would have been that person. And then with time, possibly. However, if I was the per, if I was, the people who heard about it but wasn't there didn't experience it i don't think that i would be a part of the way what we have today i don't think close to what the way was at all i think it's uh what we have now is a huge misunderstanding misunderstanding and a westernized view and capitalistic view and corporatized view of what was then anyway that's a, that's probably a whole other episode um however i i was ashamed of myself because i was like Jay, i don't think you would have been bold and been a part of the way you would have wanted to and so maybe you would have heard some things asked some questions looked up some old hebrewic scriptures heard what they were saying about this person and saying like he was here like this is true this is what happened this is what we saw And kind of be like, hmm, maybe this is true. Maybe I, maybe I should follow just in case, but maybe I shouldn't. And I think that if I did choose to follow, I think I would have followed kind of in secret. And I'm ashamed of that. I think I would have followed in secret. Because during that, during the beginning time of the way, a lot of Jewish people who started to believe and then get baptized and started to be a part of the way they lost families their families like kicked them out uh and that's why you read scriptures where which I think is beautiful um I think people call that what is that communism now or some form of communism or socialism or whatever so and so I'm wondering like would I have been out in public in a way that where I would have lost my job or possibly get alienated from my family, my social class, my social circle. Which was really, really important back then in the religious world and the Israelite society. And I don't know, y'all. I really don't know. I think I really would have been a part of the way in secret. And then like, but still making sure I was in the synagogue. Like I was at temple. Like I'm here on the Sabbath. <laughs> I'll probably arrive late but I'll be there on the Sabbath reading the hymns, singing whatever I need to do, um wearing whatever I would need to wear and connect with someone in their house to learn more about Jesus and how I could be a better person. And and I just that bothers me. That 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 really bothers me that I am aware that that was something I would have done and it's like, man, and there's a scripture where Jesus says, um if you If you basically, if you claim me in front of people, I would claim you in front of God. But if you deny me in front of people, I'm going to deny you in front of God. Right. Like that's just what it is. And it's like, dang. So even if all that I'm doing here in on the low, it still would not mean anything because I'm still hiding. It's like, why follow someone? Why follow someone? Why do all these things if you're going to do it in secret? If you're going to believe in something, be bold about it, right? And, oh, that didn't, I don't know. So someone will say, well, why do you think you would have been that way then? Well, clearly it speaks to something that I know about myself now, right? Um, <clears throat> When I was younger, I loved me some Jesus. My mom did a great job at integrating just God and Jesus in our everyday lives. It wasn't like this arduous i'm gonna beat you over the head and you have to pray you have to read your scripture and you have to do that it did not feel oppressive to me it felt like life um and my mother set a good example she wasn't one of those moms that was like you better effing go to church and then she stayed at home drinking a whiskey or doing whatever no my mother's words matched her lifestyle it was a lifestyle and so that's just what i knew right Um, and the thing my mother mostly taught me was to love people and to look out for people and take care of people. And, you know, I was a champion for the underdog. Um, there's popular people, there was like middle-class popular people. And then there was the underdogs. And my mother taught me to always root for the underdogs, to always support them, to always be a champion for them, which I was right. Um, and I was cool with the popular kids. I just wasn't cool with the middle-class popular kids because they tried too hard to be popular by. Oppressing the underdogs and that wasn't cool. And I was very bold about my Christianity. I this is just who I was. Was I beating people over the head with it? No, but this is who I was. This is what I believed in, and it and it showed in how I moved about the world. Uh, I wasn't a perfect kid, but I really loved God. I really loved Jesus. Jesus more than God, but I loved them both, and that was my that was my thing. I went to church maybe three times a week. I loved going to church genuinely loved going to church loved going doing like youth conferences even until I was in high school I was still this person um now did I do some foolish things in high school absolutely I sure did my heart but my heart kind of like a David my heart was pure my heart was pure um and I really didn't mean well. And when I realized that I was doing something that just wasn't right, I definitely let it go and kept it moving. And when I said, did I do some foolish things? I was, it wasn't, see, and this, the idea that I want to explain to you all, like, well, I wasn't like out here smoking and busting it wide open. Like even the fact that I feel like I have to explain that to you is going to lend to what I'm about to head, head to. But yeah, but I wasn't, that wasn't the type of teenager I was like, you know, I didn't do that type of stuff, but there was still stuff that I did that wasn't to the standard that I knew I wanted to live so let's just put it that way um it wasn't a lot but it was here and there and then I would correct myself 7 I was I went to college at 17 so as the 17 year old entering into 18 entering into 19 like who am I away from my mom away from my church community away from these church activities but it was still a part of my lifestyle so I still made sure that I was connected to a local congregation in Atlanta um I joined a Christian theater group like my first year and still tried to be a part of that community while I still was also exploring who I am and you know I learned things about myself there was a lot of curiosities that I had that I explored wish I didn't do that but I did but I still always had a heart for God and I made it very clear that that's who I was and you know, it is what it is. I come back to New York was one of the people that headed a singles conference at King's. It was our first singles conference. People from Philly came, people from um, Connecticut came. It was pretty dope. My singles people knew my friends because I didn't split. I wasn't like these are, I had my church friends and I had my, my other friends that wasn't a part of my church, but it wasn't two separate lives. They knew each other, right? People from my church knew my friends. My friends knew people from my church. We all hung out, like painting a picture of still of my lifestyle. Then this is where things get interesting. So I dated someone um, briefly for like three or four months that crashed and burned. I bring him up because he had a ch- he had church trauma. So, you know, I was talking about different types of trauma. And here he is dating a quote unquote church girl and so the things that I said to him was filtered through his trauma. And I was like triggering him without knowing I was triggering him. And, it, and so that added to a lot of issues as well. And so he, but he said things. And I don't think I realized how much the things he said was deposited into my spirit in regards to what it means to be a Christian and what that looks like and how people have experienced that. Christianity and then I was interacting with people who you know interacting people like at a Brooklyn park party or whatever cookout and you know found out that somebody else was like someone from my church tradition denomination I know people who are listening it's like we're not a denomination you know I'm gonna say it again so if you don't like it don't go and tell My minister, Brother Wilson. Yeah, so the people, so I found out that, you know, a person was a part of my church denomination, my church tradition, and talked to her about, oh, what's going on, and whatever. And she, you know, she got reengaged. And to this day, she's like, you know, if it wasn't for you, I would not have reengaged. I thank you so much, you know, and blah, blah, blah. And and I really appreciate that. And, And because this is who I was, you know. But I also started seeing how people were leaving because of church hurt. And I was just kind of like, what is this about? But anywho, I went into a dark place. I just wanted to rewind because I want to show how things could be deposited into your spirit. Um, and you don't realize that's happening and how it takes root. Okay, so, you know, talking to people about, you know, not wanting to be judged, talking to people, dealing with someone who had extreme church trauma. Um, and so having negative views of Christians when they hear the term Christians, they cringe. Um, people being surprised that you're Christian because you are loving and kind and you listen and you try not to judge even though I was hella judgmental back then but for some people I guess for other people it was so funny to my closest friends they felt I was judgmental but other people did not feel that way and would share their whole life stories to me it's very very interesting so so these things happen and then I reached that really dark place um and then in church we had a group where we learned more about our church faith but yeah, it's like, this is how the Church like the Church of Christ started in 33 AD. This is like the whatever, whatever. This is how Christianity has split off into different places. So you learn about, we learned about Catholicism. We learned about seven day events, We learned about all of these different things. And it was cool. I loved learning. But something I felt like was missing. I felt like something was missing. I wanted more. I wanted more. I wanted more. I also was dissatisfied in my career. I was a hostess that graduated to a maitre d' of a French restaurant while I was also working at a casting company and doing really well in that, like really, you know, doing really well in people, starting to know my names. I worked for uh, the Viacom company. So BET, VH1, uh, MTV, like doing some of their like little stuff, but then started doing reality shows. And I had a reality show experience that definitely hit me to the core. And I felt, I just felt nasty. Um, I just felt, like it took my, I felt like I just was in a soul draining business with soul draining people. And I did not have the fortitude to to deal with that. And I was just like, this is not why I was put on this earth. What is my purpose? What is, what am I supposed to be doing? This is, this is not it. And long story short, um, I'm, I went to grad school, um, where I got my master's in marriage family therapy. And Christian ministry, it was the, it was, and it's so funny. It's definitely a Church of Christ school. And it's so funny because I always said, I would never go to a Church of Christ school. I really believe that literally everything I almost said I would never do, I have done. That's why it's so important to not be so bold in what you would never do. Especially don't say, I would never do that in the same sentence of where you're judging someone who has done that. Like, don't do that to yourself because you will be humbled. Um, it's not a good feeling. So anyway, I said, I would never go to a church of Christ school. The only school that offered, um, where I can get two masters, but where some of the credits from one masters applies to the other masters. So it kind of shortens your time was Abilene Christian university. And so I went there, the marriage and family therapy program was considered one of the best during the time. And then it was Christian ministry. And I just wanted to learn about that. So in my experience with, I call it baby seminary. Cause I didn't do enough classes. I didn't study, um, Hebrew and didn't do enough classes to get my master's of divinity because that wasn't the plan nor was my brain even able after all that schooling to even take any more courses to even try to go ahead and get my master's of divinity and and during that process just learned a lot about the core tenets of Christianity where it started the history learned from some amazing biblical scholars who studied Hebrew, who studied Greek, who studied the historical context, the culture, um, and everything else. And so a lot of things was illuminated to me. And I was embarrassed by current day Christianity. I was embarrassed by some of the people in my tradition and the way they used to talk. I was embarrassed at myself, sorry, About the way that I held certain things. And when I talk about being humbled, baby, I was humbled in the worst way, I mean, in the best way during seminary because all the things that I thought I knew and held on to arrogantly, didn't not realizing it was arrogant, was just all like stripped away. And I remember falling on my knees in my apartment my first semester because I started late I started grad school in uh, like January 2010 um I remember falling to my knees and saying God I don't know what's happening the things that I thought I knew are being challenged I, I don't know all I need to know I need you to send me the Holy Spirit and let me know what is truth help me decipher what is truth and keep those goat nuggets and throw away the bones. I was like, I just ask you to do that because right now, if I continue on the path I am, I think I will be devastated, right? And I'm so happy. I was humbled enough to fall on the floor, crying, praying, because I was crying, because I was like, I thought I was, you know, I, you know, like I was just, it was, it was, <laughs> it was hilarious. And I, I prayed that prayer, and I'm probably, probably right now you're thinking like, okay, so today or Jarena, whichever way you know me, it's like I still don't understand how this connects to the beginning of your podcast about you being ashamed. Okay. So after learning all that I learned, I didn't, I did, I would, it was hard for me. And that's what I say. Knowledge is power, but knowledge also is, is, is it's, it's dangerous because you either can become a little too arrogant learning what you didn't know, or you become very dissatisfied with the status quo or with certain traditions that are are stated in dogmatic ways because you realize because you've been so humbled and you realize at the end of the day, you don't know nothing. And you can only know what you think, you know, off of good faith that you studied and it was revealed to you. But at the end of the day, none of us is God. None of us is the great I am. And the power and knowledge of God is so infinite and surpasses our puny little brains no matter how smart we think we are and when we're not humbled and we talk a certain way in the pulpit or talk a certain way to other people or talk amongst one another about other sets of Christian people or people that are not Christians we are not representing Christ or God at all we're representing ourselves in a pharisaical spirit and an arrogant spirit that does not represent Christ and that to me was it hurt my soul and it was disgusting. And so when I came back, when I graduated and I came back to New York, I was in a very interesting space and it was hard for me to be in my church denomination space. Also because my ex was, my ex got married and there was a lot of feels that I had a lot of misunderstanding of that situation. A lot of people looking at me like I was wrong and crazy and you know I never tried to tell my side of the story I just allow people to persevere in whatever thoughts they had about me so that was also hard so that was hard it was hard coming back to New York because I shouldn't have come back to New York as quickly as I did and it was also the idea of you have all this knowledge and you have no one to talk to because and I and and fast forward my minister now brother David Wilson amazing expositor um allows for us to challenge him like the way I've seen him grow and evolve as a Christian man and leader has been amazing and humbling to see in and of itself. The way that I can communicate with him now wasn't a way that I felt I can communicate with him then. And so I just, if you listen to this brother, Wilson, just, I just want to say, I see you shout out. Thank you so much. Just for being who you are, and, and allowing us to be on that journey with you, and then opening up spaces to challenge certain things that you're saying, and really try to figure things out together. Um, but let's fast, but, but rewind. So back then, I did not feel that I can talk to him. I didn't feel like I could speak to any black male in the church setting as a black female. Um, I felt like I couldn't say the things I wanted to say, share the things I wanted to say, challenge the things I wanted to challenge and not challenge in a way to be right, but challenge in a way to say, Hey, have we ever considered this? Have we ever thought about that? I didn't feel safe or comfortable to do so. And that makes me really sad. Like, it's sad that I felt that way, right? That I felt that way. Someone who is like fourth or fifth generation in this church tradition or just in a, just being a Christian in general and not feeling comfortable talking to anybody that's in leadership about what I was going through. I could talk about it in um, at school, right? Because a lot of my professors, although scholars, also some of them held, they either were elders or deacons at the churches that they were in. And I remember saying, how can you all be in this church tradition um, knowing all that you know? And they were like, because we learned in our humility that no matter where we go, humans are going to be humans and everyone has issues. And so I'm going to stay in the church tradition I am in, be as faithful as I can to the things that I know and supporting the people in the way I know and trying to reveal what I've learned the best way I can without shoving it down their throats or doing the same things that, you know, we think it's, and I, and I got it then, but I definitely get it now as I'm like 10, 11 years later. And so, um, I left, I left, um, I left there because I didn't, I just didn't feel comfortable. I didn't like what was happening. So I'm back at, I graduated, I came back to New York and feeling uncomfortable, not only because of that situation, but also because of just how I was seeing things. And, and then just the way people were talking about Christianity and just being embarrassed. It almost, I did not want to call myself a Christian because Christian, Christians had such a negative connotation that did not reflect this new space I was in and did not reflect the beauty of Christ and the God that I have come to know intimately. And I didn't want to carry a name that just, that was just inaccurate, but not realizing that by doing that, I also started hiding myself in public settings, like at work or, and I mean, people who were close to me at work knew who I was and where I stood but it wasn't as bold as when I was younger. It was a little bit more veiled um, because I was afraid that if I tell them I am this thing, they would automatically think, think this thing about me and then aut- would not allow for me to be me. The words that I would say would be channeled through whatever traumas, whatever stress, whatever uncomfortable situation, whatever misconceived conceptions they have about Christianity, which is based off of their experience. So it's not misconceived, but you know, the true form of that. And I did not want that. I want it to be measured on my own account. I wanted my words to be measured off of my words and not off of an assumption because of a title that I proclaim. And so, and, 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 and although it makes logical sense, it gets tricky, right? Because then it's like, oh well, let me, not say anything about this so that this thing can happen, but in a way, what I was doing is very insidious. Was slowly starting to veil the fact that I am a believer. I and 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 then, as that starts to happen, there's a lack of accountability that you hold on to yourself because there's not a. I don't. I'm not an ambassador anymore. Right. I'm a secret ambassador. Um. But right now, I'm just representing myself. And when you represent yourself, you're more so prone to getting into things, um, you, you're more so prone to getting into things. I'll just put it that way. And, um, and so from there, you know, when I moved back to New York, uh, too early, I should not have come back when I can't, when I did. And I'll talk about why at another time, that same podcast that I'll talk about that dark time or whatever, that will all be tied in together. Um, and, and so it's, and so from there, I, it's just slowly, became more veiled more veiled more veiled and I mean people would say positive things like oh you're like this you're like that and and I would say like hey like when they get to know me they're like oh I was like oh yeah I'm going to this event or whatever whatever and they're like oh you're a church girl and I would cringe and I'm like I mean what's your definition of a church girl right and And then as they get to know me, they're like, they learn that this is who I was. And sometimes they're shocked and not shocked because I'm acting crazy, but once again, shocked because it's like, you're so balanced and you're, you're so understanding and loving. And I'm like, that's what you're supposed to be. That's what we're supposed to be. Why are people shocked? But it can, it kept confirming the fact that if I said, if I led with that, they would have assumed these things about me. And the words that I said probably would not have felt so balanced. They would, have, they would have automatically judged. And so, you know, it, you know, you know, years go by, whatever, whatever. And I, now I am where I am now. And like I said, I don't find myself hiding my Christianity. I don't, I don't find that. I just realized that I'm just not as on fire as I used to be. And it kind of circles back to this conversation of faith and then trust and do I trust that God is going to do what God says he's going to do? Do I trust? Well, she, because, you know, God is not male or female. Do I trust that Jesus is going to do what he's going to do? Um. Do I trust those things? Because I do believe it still to this day. I've had so many experiences in Texas that is unexplainable. So I know that there is something out there bigger than me. And I choose to believe that is the great I am. Um, and I believe in Jesus and And so I have that, but then there's like all these other instances, right? So I have my own traumas. I'm holding other people's church traumas. I had my own unfortunate run-ins with church, but not to make me disbelieve, please. No. I don't think anything that a human can do would have me disbelieve in God and Jesus. It would just make me disappointed. And even if they said they were a Christian, I would not have me look at Christ wrong because I know too well. I know Christ and God too well. And that's why I always tell people, you walk away from an organization, so you walk away from church, but you also find yourself walking away from Christ and God because you have conflated the two, right? And you may say, well, a little bit, a few minutes ago, you said you left. When you, when you came back to New York, you said you left for a minute. I left and went to another church that wasn't the church tradition I was a part of. And so even though people in my congregation felt like I fell away and I was just gone and they would just randomly see me at certain events, they didn't realize that I was a whole full member at a whole other movement, a community church movement that was interacting actively with the neighborhood, bringing neighborhood people in, going to neighborhoods houses, bringing the neighborhood into their houses, kind of like, the Acts church. They represented Acts from when I studied how the way started, right? The way when when this Christian wave that was called the way before they called themselves Christians on Antioch, the way they were doing it was the way that this particular fellowship was doing it. And I liked that. And so I was with them. I was up early Sunday morning because some of y'all know if there's a nine o'clock service, I'm there at 930. If there's 11 o'clock service, I'm there at 1130, maybe even 12, right? And it's not, I'm not proud of that, but you know, we'll talk about that another time. But I was there early teaching Bible class, y'all. I was a part of the I was a part of the children's ministry. People don't know that. I was a part of the children's ministry. I was teaching and I only taught once a month. And I had a co-teacher and teaching kids from age four all the way up to the age of eight. So I had to be creative every time I taught to try to encapsulate and grasp and make sure that these people understood what I was saying the older kids weren't too bored and the younger kids weren't too overwhelmed I did a pretty good masterful job at that I'm proud of myself I try not to tell people I'm good at that because I always say children's not my ministry so don't bring them around here but if I had to deal with them I'm good with them anyway so I was a part of that I was going to we had our home we had our um house house groups and so every Wednesday, instead of all of us collecting together as a group, we all were separated into different like pockets. And we would meet at someone's house. We'll break bread. Right. We'll eat together. We will either read a book together and then connect that with the Bible. We would talk about our personal lives. We would help each other out throughout things. We would talk about racism because it was an inter it was a um, it was a multicultural church in the truest sense. I think we had almost every representation possible at that congregation or at that fellowship and so we would have those hard conversations um and and it was and it was beautiful because we would struggle together our white members would struggle with us black members and our asian members would struggle too and we were all struggling together and and it was beautiful unfortunately because humans are human certain things transpired certain things were said and i kind of had to slowly remove myself because of other things that was going on in regards to like the black lives matter movement and all that jazz, because I was there during the rise of the um the BLM movement. And it looked different than it does now after the George Floyd and the pandemic. But then it was, it was still like kind of tense. And not that people didn't believe that black lives didn't matter, but that blue lives matter because some of the people in our congregation, you know, so that was, that was a whole thing. And I, and it felt harmful to me because I felt very, very sensitive and raw. And I was like, okay, I need to be with black people again. And I didn't go back to, my home congregation instead I went to a Baptist church um and I started going to the Baptist church instead of going to their singles events and so at the end of the day you know people may be like oh she was backsliding she was gone so far and now she's back and it was like no I've always been back because back to me means you were with God in Christ and I've always been with God in Christ I just wasn't here with you all physically in this in this assembly in this gathering in this way so I'm back I've been back for some years now, um, and and I'm in a different place. But I care so much about what people think that, and so that's the point I wanted to get. I care so much about what people think. I'm very sensitive to that, and I wasn't as sensitive before. There was one point I kind of didn't care. I was like, the truth is the truth. That's when I was like high school. I'm like, the truth is going to truth. You're going to get this truth. And you can think I'm evil, you could think I'm crazy, but you won't get this truth, and I'm going to stand by my word. And and I got these messages in my yearbook, and I have these messages to this day where people from my junior high school, my high school, uh, write me messages. And these messages was like, you know, when I first met you, I thought you were a bit much, or, you know, I thought you were mean. But when I came to know you, you have been consistent, you have been um, deliberate, intentional, and full of integrity. These are like young people saying this to me, y'all. And and in reading that, I look at myself now and I'm kind of embarrassed because I stood firm. I believed what I believed. I had faith and I trusted. And I went through so many things, everyone else's traumas, my traumas, my stresses, my difficulties, all these other things that has put me in the place where I am now where I can read the scripture and say, if I, me, were to be in a space where it's like, all we know about this movement is it's denounced everywhere, that I would be very wary to join a movement because everybody else said it's not good. Who did I become? How do I care so much what people think? You know, and it's, it's a difference between being mindful, right? How are you feeling? I want to be mindful of how you feel. Um, still speak the truth, but how am I going to speak it in a way that's not necessarily... Um, watering it down, but I'm presenting it to you in a way that you can understand it. How can I speak your language? How can I meet you where you're at? I think I think I'm getting to that place. Um, but it also came at the expense of me caring so much what people think that sometimes I don't say anything at all. And then that eats away at some level of integrity. And when that starts to eat away at your integrity, you'll be surprised at the things that you start to do. And, you, and then have blind spots to the things that you start to do. <laughs> because there's no level of accountability that you had before. There's no strong integrity that you can stand on. It's been weakened. And it came from a good place. But like I said, that thing is insidious. Those seeds were planted. And throughout life, because life is going to life, they took root and they grew in ways that created blind spots. And so now I'm in the space of cutting those things down and really seeing the things that I did for what they were. Yes, my heart still had whatever, but my heart also had these seeds in it. And, and from it was these blind spots and I was doing things. There was this level of self-preservation that started happening with me, right? And it still kind of happens with me. And self-preservation sounds like really nice, but that's another form of sometimes saying selfish. And i become selfish. i become selfish. I've become a person that wants to preserve herself and a person that almost activates in survival mode, which is what happens to people who've been traumatized. It's crazy This how this all connects. And so I realized that I'm at 39 minutes and four seconds and my intro was a little long too. And I know there was a vote to keep my podcast under 40. So I'm gonna wrap it up here and just say that we get to, if we're going to believe it, let's believe it. Um, let's live it and let's be consistent in that. Um, let's remain humble that we don't know everything and we will never know everything. But let's keep a posture of wanting to learn truth, a posture of humility, um, a posture of love, And a posture of self-reflection. And a posture of grace. Ooh, I need to talk about grace. Because I struggle with grace. Ooh, and forgiveness. Ooh, Lord. Oh, all these episodes are going to get me. And these are for me, y'all. I'm sharing it because I hope that there's people who can benefit from it. Um, But yeah, so take care, y'all. Those of you who aren't Christian and or don't really partake in the whole, I'm not a religious person, but are listening. Thank you. That says a lot about you, that um, you're still willing to listen, even though you don't rock with uh, certain beliefs and systems. And those of you who are Christian, who are judging me right now, just ask yourself why. What is happening that you're hearing that is flaring something in you? What is it triggering inside of you? And instead of just casting me off and, and judging me and wanting to tell other people what I'm saying to make me stop or make me feel bad about what I'm saying so I could stop, ask yourself, why? Where is that coming from? And is it with the intention to really look out for me as a sister in Christ? Or is it coming from somewhere else? So I just ask you to do that. And for those of you who are Christians, who are who are, who are seekers and who have been heard and are in a space of reflection Thank you, welcome. I see you because I see me. Um, and yeah, so love you all um, which is I was like why why do I keep feeling the urge to say love you all? I don't know y'all like that, but no I love y'all. I love the, your souls and spirits because there's something in you that's causing you to listen um, And so I appreciate that. And so <laughs> even if you're listening to find something fault. You're still listening for some, there's something else. There's something inside of you There's that I think is pure and beautiful. And so, um, that I love that. And so, yeah. So love you all. We're now at 41 minutes and 52 seconds. and That means this podcast is going to be 45 to 50 minutes. Eek. All right. Well, take care all. Love you all. Be well and be blessed. Ciao. So I do, I think I want to keep the tradition of, um, starting. With an intro and ending with an outro, so we're just gonna make this podcast a little longer. um so I started with the scripture acts twenty eight and I focused on verse twenty one and twenty two I'm gonna jump down um and read that you know Paul trying to explain and testified about the kingdom of God and try to persuade them about Jesus from the scriptures, and when he says the scriptures is not what we have today. It's just more of the Hebrew writings, which we now call the Old Testament using the law of Moses in the books of the prophets. There we go. And he spoke to them from morning until evening. Some were persuaded by the things he said, but others did not believe. And after they'd argued back and forth among themselves, they, they left with the final word from Paul. The Holy Spirit was right when he said to your ancestors through Isaiah the prophet, go and say to this people, when you hear what I say, you will not understand. When you see what I do, you will not comprehend. For the hearts of these people are hardened and their ears cannot hear. And they have closed their eyes so their eyes cannot see and their ears cannot hear and their hearts cannot understand and they cannot turn to me and let me heal them. So I want you to know that this salvation from God has also been offered to the Gentiles and they will accept it. Um, that, that was a little spicy to me. And I'm going to get into my views on Paul on another episode because a lot of some few men in the church know how I feel. My uncle, he's a pastor and a counselor. and He knows how I feel about Paul. Brother Wilson knows how I feel about Paul. It's like, I don't have an issue with Paul, but I have an issue with the way people have used Paul. And at the end of the day, Paul is still a human. He, he was inspired by God, but he's still a human. So, so he was a little spicy. But anyway, what I, I I read that to close out this podcast because for those of us who do want to share and we're like, oh, but what if people say this or what if people say that? And this is me talking to myself. Um, at the end of the day, the people who are going to hear are going to appear and do what they will with it. It is not our jobs to force things down people's throats. If anything, it is, it is our job to be ambassadors of Christ and try to reconcile human creation back to God. Those who ascribe to Christianity, that is our job, period. That's what it says in the scripture. And, you know, um, and that can look in different ways. So I'm not here to tell you how it should look. Um, it looks in different ways according to your gifts, talents, abilities, personalities, or experiences. So that is that is vast and open. But I'm just saying that that our job is to be ambassadors of Christ and to reconcile people back to God and, um, just wanting to say let's not let oh well people are not going to listen or people are going to say whatever whatever stop us from doing that in the way in which we were created in our own unique unique way to do, um people are going to hear what they hear people are going to see what they see people are going to believe what they're going to believe just do your job and living a lifestyle, of 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 what we say we believe understanding that we're humans and we'll make mistakes and we can get up and let that be that um dang i'm about to start a whole new podcast okay bye y'all